0: Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those
1: moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure,
2: allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael.
0: Welcome to a special Lost Without Moments bonus interview episode of the Lost Without Japan podcast. Our biweekly podcast is focused on getting you to Japan for your first visit or to make your next adventure to Japan even better than your last. Today's special interview is with Michael Westbay from Japan Ball Tickets, who is based out of Yokohama, Japan, and Michael and Japan Ball Tickets truly can add something unique to your either first trip or a next trip and allow you to easily, um, you know, going without the service. We were kind of talking before this even started. Uh, Unless you have, uh, you know, a pretty good Japanese level and a Japanese credit card and a Japanese address, like all these different things that are here. um, These experiences could easily be out of your reach uh, without going through uh, Michael's service. But I, don't want to get too ahead of myself, and I will let Michael share about his life in Japan and all you can look forward to after you end up reaching out to him. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with positive thoughts and excitement for your next journey to Japan and my own return again next summer. And I, Michael, I would truly like to thank you for giving me a bit of your time today, as well as everyone that is listening to both of us today. I truly hope that this podcast finds you all in a great place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we can all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times. And my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you again for your time and returning once more. For today's show, let me introduce our special guest whose website japanballtickets.com is part of the Japan Ball Empire that was founded by Bob Bavisi with tours now run by Shane Barclay. It's truly amazing how using the service back in 2017 2019 and again in this year made me want to reach out for an interview after having such a positive experience myself. And you know what? Like I, I'll never turn down a chance to talk baseball no matter where it is in the world. So I truly feel very fortunate to have Michael join us today and can't wait to begin our interview today. Welcome, Michael.
2: Hi, welcome. Thank you.
0: Uh, thanks so much for making time today for everyone and joining us on this episode as we, you know, take some time to talk Japan and give you an opportunity to share a bit about yourself and how your time in Japan began, because one of the things that this show does besides like day trips and travel advice and, you know, things like that is, is kind of talking about how, uh, people have made it to Japan and like what you can do when you're there. So,
2: uh, The floor is yours, my friend. Okay. Well, to uh, start off my journey through Japan, uh, we'd have to rewind a few decades. I first arrived in Japan in high school back in the early 1980s when my dad got a job as the recreation director at Yokosuka Navy Base. I always preferred my time off base over on base, and exploring the electronics avenue of Akihabara back then before what it became now, it was was just such an experience after growing up in a little farm town in the middle of California, just being able to hop on a train and go to Akihabara and the big city lights and everything. It was just such a transformation of my life. And so armed with a kanji to English dictionary about five centimeters thick, I taught myself how to read Japanese in order to use the uh computer, the Japanese computer that I bought. An NEC 8201 uh laptop computer had a little L C D display, 40 characters yes. by eight characters. Oh, <laughs> yes. I loved that machine. But I wanted to learn how to program it, so I would buy the uh, monthly Japanese computer magazines, and they had programs in it. But everything explaining the program was in Japanese, of course. So my Kai Dictionary helped me learn what it was doing in, uh, in the explanations, as well as being able to read the manuals. And so I kind of had a unique experience in learning Japanese, and that I was able to read before I was able to speak. The main problem being that most people who have studied Japanese know that there's onyomi and kunyomi for how to read kanji. Well, I started learning in ayomi, that is, the English reading of the kanji. So my ability to speak was not nearly as good as my ability to read. So when I went off to college at San Diego State University, I was majoring in computer science and minoring in Japanese. A lot of people thought that's interesting when I first started. (laughs) But uh, as was very clear when I finished, everybody said, oh, that was smart. As I was the only person in my Japanese classes was able to get a job in Japan in what they studied. Everybody else was a business major, and Mm -hmm. all anybody else could find in a job in Japan was teaching English. But I did take one year off of college to participate in the uh, exchange program San Diego State had with the Yokohama National University. And in that one year at, Net, at Yokohama Kokodai, I took all of the computer courses for second, third, and fourth year students. The computer stuff was easy. It was learning it in Japanese that was difficult and the goal. I wanted to be able to, to listen and speak in Japanese around computer-related things. That one year, taking all of the computer science courses... Really, really helped me when it came time to graduate and apply for jobs in Japan. The whole way of going
0: about things, and you know, it's not now where you can uh, kind of point your uh, Google Translate uh, mm-hmm. phone or you know other different things and kind of you know use that to go along. That is a lot of motivation to want to be able to use uh, what you have, <laughs>
2: like, yeah, you
0: know, purchased and be able to go through. Right? Yeah,
2: yeah, it uh, it was. It was all a learning experience. I learned more outside of class in high school than in class because I was driven to return to Japan after college. I had decided there in high school that I wanted to be a computer programmer in Japan. And so everything after that was working toward that. In 1991, I got a job at a Japanese database company. Most of what I did was build tools for mainframe databases, linking them to PCs, and generated reports for data analysis. And in my free time, I started writing about Japanese baseball on the web. That was in 1995. I got my first homepage, Uh, like, what was it? One megabyte of free space that I could use to create pages. I started translating the uh, Japanese baseball news from the newspaper and posting it online. And the day after I made my first post, I got an email from somebody uh, saying, "Oh, I understand my friend Bobby Valentine is there in Japan. Have you met him?" And I'm like, "No, I just, I'm just translating <laughs> things know, on the, <laughs> I'm just translating things from the newspaper." And uh, But I eventually met Bobby. And it, it was the start of of my my baseball career on the internet. I also just, uh, in my spare time, I was, started a uh, Japanese baseball database in order to keep track of stats and stuff and to post them on the internet again. And so, I don't know. I, I seem to have been a full-time student outside of work and school. I just enjoy learning everywhere i go everything i do is to learn new skills even now i'm learning new programming languages and and things to level up my uh abilities
0: my colleague all of that is like a story in and of itself i'm sure you could even speak <laughs> to you know japan back you know when you were there uh with your parents uh japan you know in the 90s how much it's changed i mean for me personally, it's changed so much just from when it was 2019 to uh-huh. coming back again this this summer, um, especially Tokyo and other places like that. How much, you know, all of it, it just continues to change at such a <laughs> like quick speed. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Was it meeting Bob
2: Vivesi uh, yeah. in two,
0: 2015 or was did you guys meet before?
2: With Bobby Vivesi and... That's where we get into where we are now. In 2015, Bob Bavese, who ran Japan Ball, he, was, he reached out to me to make an offer for uh, helping to provide tickets to people coming to Japan. Uh, he had worked with uh, Japan Times sports writer Wayne Grastics for, gee, since around 2005, I think it was, for providing Tickets to people coming to Japan. And they made a nice little uh, business out of it. But uh, with our daughter going off to college in the U.S. and we being out of state in every state, I could use a little bit of extra income. So I I accepted that little side job without the knowledge that it was going to become a very, very full-time job. Uh, that's, that's kind of how I got into the ticketing business, which eventually helped you get to a ball game or two. It definitely
0: did. And it's like I said, it's something I plan on uh, doing again. It sounds like you, you must almost have this be the case, but have you always loved baseball and what got you into uh, the sport?
2: Oh, yeah. Back in the night, early 1970s, my dad brought me to my first game, brought the whole family to a game at Candlestick Park. And uh, the Giants were losing to the Dodgers in the bottom of the ninth inning. And my dad said, well, time to go. And I'm like, but but wait, I was just getting, I was really getting into the game. And uh, I, I was just so engrossed in it. I I couldn't leave, but, you know, just as I stood up, resigned to go with the family and uh, call it the end of a, of a game, all of a sudden the rest of the stadium stood up at the same time I did. Willie McCovey parked a ball into the temporary seats in right field for a sayonara victory. Oh, that was great. That was amazing. I had <laughs> I had never felt anything like it before. The The roar of the crowd for that uh, dramatic ending to the game. And, uh, yeah, Willie McCovey then became my favorite player. He left the Giants for a while, but they eventually came back. But, uh, oh, man, that was that got me hooked.
0: <laughs> Mine, I was uh, Wrigley Field Cubs game mm-hmm. and uh, similar experience, except for that late inning heroics. It was. Uh, the Cubs ended up winning 18 to seven. And I think there was almost a home run in every inning. And I left the game. And my dad, first thing he tells me is like, Mike, it's not like this normally at <laughs> all. <So. laughs> Debra those expectations a little bit. <laughs> just, just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, uh, but how did you end up
2: deciding to call Yokohama home? Uh well my uh year at Yokohama National University really did uh have me fall in love with Yokohama. I went to at least one game uh with some of the other students, learned some of the chants there. Uh oh what was it? I I still recall Ute Ute Ponse, Ute Ute Ponce, Ponce Katobase And It just Yokohama felt like home when I first joined the company in 1991. uh, One of the uh, human resources people put me in a little apartment in Chiba, and it was a two-year lease. So I immediately started looking for a place in Yokohama because that really, really felt like home. You know, Chiba was okay. I it was a Easy bike ride out to the brand new stadium they built out there for the Chiba Lote Marines. Uh, cause Lote was state was based in Kawasaki before then. So going out to the Chiba Lote games, it was Makohari Mese was a brand new city that they built on landfill and nobody was there yet. It was like a ghost town on the weekends when there wasn't a game and there wasn't anything happening at the uh, big convention center. It, it just felt so weird. Yokohama on the other hand feels lively. It's a big city without being Tokyo. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) And it just has a much better vibe. I thought
0: for me like you you have those places that end up feeling like home even when it's halfway around the world and kind of those experiences that lead up to that for me it's you know Hiroshima is that you know to this point mm-hmm. and that's like no matter i'm still years away from uh you know moving at this point but i already look so i can understand being 2 years at a place and like beginning to look day one so i like that i like that <laughs> um what made you decide to branch out from computer coding then? Was it just your daughter's school or what kind of led that choice for you?
2: Well, uh, Bob Bavese really did approach me at the right time with the daughter heading off to college. And I had from 2006, after 15 years at the company, I had uh, branched off with a partner to use my Japanese baseball database and combine that with uh, Korean baseball and Taiwanese baseball, all the data of which I was gathering into my database. We We had started a company selling data to MLB teams, but it didn't take long to learn that MLB teams are very cheap when it comes to paying for services. So on top of that, was really, really necessary, not just for sending our daughter to college, but uh, for the household finances, too. The uh, ticket business, it was really my first feeling of entrepreneurship. While I had been working with my partner at this other job, providing data to MLB teams, this one really felt like I was in control. Bob and Wayne kind of did everything together uh, if you saw the system that they had at the beginning, they shared an Excel file between the two of them in Dropbox. One of them would edit it during 12 hours. The other would edit it the other 12 hours. And that's how they managed to keep everything in sync between Bob managing everything in Seattle and Wayne managing getting the tickets and getting the tickets to people on the Japan side. So one of the first things I did when uh, taking over for Wayne was move to Google Sheets where both I and Bob could enter things and edit things in the spreadsheet without worrying about writing over the other person's work. So with this new entrepreneur spirit, what I found is that before I really believed that I was better with computers than with people. But what I was finding was that I was really enjoying interacting with people coming to Japan and finding just the right ticket for them, finding just the right game for them, uh, talking about baseball with them, you know, talking via email but it was it was still interacting with people which is something that i hadn't been doing since i left the company cuz you know at a big company you're of course interacting with all of your coworkers every day but working at home on different projects i'm not interacting with people but this ticketing business gave me the opportunity to meet people via email again and just have really great conversations about baseball about what to expect and of course all of the emails that I got from people who went to their first games and were just so amazed by how the crowd was how they sit next to somebody who shared their dinner with them you know they they had brought a packed lunch and And it's like they were adopted by this Japanese family at this baseball game. And it's experiences like that that I just so enjoyed conversing with people about that really made this ticketing job all the more worthwhile.
0: And we were talking even before we began recording about just that, you know, how just the the experience at a, a ball game, you know, there is like, especially if you... Even if you don't love baseball, uh, it's a show, you know, I mean, everything going on is its own unique experience. And I think anybody could like it. But if you are even slightly a fan of baseball, um, you're going to love it even more just by how much everybody is into the game and just what a unique experience that that, you know, that comes with. Uh, And when I was setting up tickets for our trip uh, this last summer. Saw some email correspondence from your wife, uh, and I'm sure this is not something you could do uh, just on your own. But could you just talk a little bit about her involvement in supporting you and what you're doing?
2: Yeah, well, this is literally a mama papa shop. Margarita, who is my wife, she handles the sending out the final confirmations for hotels and often reminding people to tell us where they are staying so that we can get the tickets to them. Yes she's also quality control i mistyped the aisle numbers in the little insert that we send with the tickets because if you look at at the japanese tickets a lot of them are a wall of text in kanji <laughs> that nobody understands <laughs> in in the western <laughs> world and They're even hard to understand for Japanese sometimes. They just try to fit so much information on that page. So with the tickets, I send a little insert saying what gate number to go to to get into the stadium, what aisle number to go down to reach your seat, what row number and what seat numbers you have. So all of that information in English in a short, concise insert is invaluable to our customers. And Margarita goes over those and she points out all the times that I mistype something. One of the common things I do is I flip the uh, aisle number and the row number. I, I don't know why I do it, but Margarita makes sure that all of that is correct and that when our guests get to the stadium, they're able to get in easily, find their seat easily, and enjoy the games.
0: Because it's not always clear uh, when you go into a park where you need to go. So that that was huge, especially uh, for us when we were going through some of our games. It was nice just to be able to look at this and know where I needed to go. uh, So much less stress. So it was was wonderful.
2: Yeah, that's that's it. We're, We're trying to take the stress out of going to a game. Definitely succeeded. And I noticed when I was looking
0: through uh, your site that I saw a mention of uh, sumo tickets and just wondered if that was uh, still active or what other things you might uh, do ticketing for.
2: Uh, well, as far as other activities are concerned, pro wrestling, especially the NJPW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, are often requested. I even joined the fan club so that I could get early access to those tickets because with some of the uh, tournaments they have, Domination is one of them. They sell out for the final matches of, of those tours. Because, you know, pro wrestling is a show. And, oh, they put on a performance. And uh, right now, it's uh, pro basketball. And I was surprised. Somebody asked, what was available in, in basketball in the Tokyo area just a couple days ago? and i went through and the shibuya sun rockers are sold out the uh chiba jets are sold out the yokohama buccaneers are sold out it's like all of these um i i'm not really into professional basketball but just looking the uh professional basketball scene here in japan is very, very popular, much more popular than I had ever imagined. So if, if you're interested in coming to Japan in the uh, baseball offseason, basketball is a thing, but uh, getting tickets for it has become rather difficult. You'll need to place your orders a couple months in advance, just like uh, with a lot of the baseball teams. Otherwise, uh, J-League is the other big one that we get. J-League is the Japanese Soccer League. And as for sumo, yes, we do still take requests for sumo. Since limiting sumo to only those who request it back uh, five years ago, I think it was, and strongly urging people to avoid weekends and holidays, sumo has been manageable. I took sumo off the site when I had to issue refunds to 55 groups because almost all of them wanted weekends. Most of them wanted the final weekend. At one point, I managed to secure zero tickets for any weekend for an entire year. I don't discourage weekends because I want to ruin people's vacation. That's not it at all. I discourage them because the odds are very much against being able to get them. Really, really want to explain that to people that, yes, your only date that you can go to a um, sumo match is just so happens to be that final Sunday. I get, I sign up for the pre-public sales lotteries, but even that is no guarantee that I'm going to be able to get them. So uh, please, 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 if you want sumo, avoid weekends is, is what I really, really, really want to tell people. So long as I avoid weekends I've been able to get uh, pretty much everything that people have requested outside of that and there's also concerts concerts is also concerts are also very very difficult to get I did manage to get several people to Hatsune Miku concerts at list price but uh For the most part, even those are are very, very difficult. In fact, almost any artist is very difficult. I've got uh, one person wanting Moritaka Chisato, a a Japanese pop artist from the 1980s. She is very popular. She sells out everywhere she goes. Concerts are really hard.
0: (laughs) And like with fan clubs and like different things to be able to purchase tickets and, you know, how everything is set up. I've even tried to look for when we went over, just trying to find some things for my son. And it's, it, it is, I mean, like it's such a maze to to go through. So <laughs> having any success is huge. <laughs> uh, is there any uh, struggles that you'd like to share just in regards to what you've been doing for uh, Japan Ball uh, tickets?
2: Well, 2023 was a struggle in and of itself. Uh, reopening to unrestricted tourism was a bit overwhelming this year margarita and i got very little sleep as we were preparing orders and well filling getting preparing sending orders it was very rough (laughs) i still haven't gotten to about 1700 email messages that i got at the between the end of february and mid-may mid-may was the first time that I was able to get all the way through that day's inbox. It was so overwhelming. And most of it was people who wanted to go to games that following weekend. They had arrived in Japan. They wanted to go to a game, but it sold out. What can I do? Those kinds of questions. And I want to help every one of them. But... The one thing that I really want to emphasize is you really need to plan ahead. For the Carp and the Tigers, you need to have a request in before March 1st. For any other team, you need to have a request in two months in advance, Uh, especially the Giants and Bay Stars. These two sell out frequently. Other teams you can usually get tickets uh three weeks, two weeks in advance, but last minute
0: <laughs> it's really, really tough. I could agree a hundred percent uh with it just needing to be as far out as you know in advance as you know possible to do that, and kind of looking at the schedule when it comes up, I remember looking through trying to see what dates I had uh in mind too. And I went in with the we may get tickets to some of the games. You know, we may get them for, you know, all and uh-huh. <laughs> just hoping it was there. But I'm like, I, I, I would agree 100 percent if it's something of importance, you want to do um, as far out in, in advance as possible. And then, like you had mentioned, uh, aiming for stadiums that have larger seating uh, could help, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, increase that a little bit as well. Uh, I like that. I like that. That's a lot of uh, good uh, recommendations that I would say is, you know, definitely with things opening back up and people coming as much as they are and only seemingly to uh, increase, uh, I, I would agree. Michael, uh, what are your goals for 2024 and beyond?
2: Well, uh, as I mentioned, when Bob started this service, he he did an amazing job of taking the shopping carts service and which is really made for selling T-shirts yes. and making it work for a concierge service. And running it all in a, uh, in spreadsheets was okay when there were about 200 orders per year. When it started getting up to about 500 orders per year, it started to cause some strain. And that's when I brought Margarita in to, to help with the, some of the ticket ordering and hotel confirmations and such. But now it's gotten to the point where we really need some custom software to run the business, to make sure that I don't miss anything. With running it all with spreadsheets, I am surprised at how few errors get uh, in there with all the copying and pasting going on, that's definitely not a way to run a business. So this off season I'm working on, I'm I'm going back to my roots in programming and creating a system to manage all of the orders in a way that's going to be much easier on both me and Margarita to present us with what needs to be done today. What Tickets need to be purchased, when they need to be purchased, all of that. So it's it's more of the back end, although we are uh, – our daughter, who is a user experience, user interface expert now, she's, she's helping out a bit with uh, prettying up the front end as well. And hopefully the uh, whole experience from ordering tickets to getting your tickets – is going to be much more streamlined so Margarita and I can actually have time to sleep in March. (laughs) And uh, the user will be getting information that they need when they need it. For example, right now, or this past year, Margarita sends out the final confirmations about four days before people arrive. And Sometimes that's not early enough. Another big category of ticket of emails that I missed during these months were people saying that they haven't received a final confirmation yet. They're leaving tomorrow. What's going on? So one of the first things that I'm working on is automating sending out emails, messages to people when I bring the tickets in. So as soon as the tickets are in hand, you're going to know that they are in hand and you won't have to worry about whether or not we got the tickets because up until now, it's been a guess, I guess (laughs) (laughs) people just had to believe, you know, I had one person write me, this was pre pandemic. He said that he had a bet with his fellow travelers that, we were a scam and we weren't uh they weren't going to have tickets. And so when he received the tickets when they checked into the hotel, he wrote me saying that I cost caused him to lose the bet.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, uh, hopefully a more modern look on the homepage will help alleviate that kind of uh of bet of side bets going on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's the that's the main uh, focus of this offseason is getting a back-end system up and running that's going to be beneficial not only to margarita and i but also to all of our uh, guests to so that they know exactly where we are in the process of getting them their tickets
0: love it i love it and i, I look forward to it too because i Definitely will be uh, returning once more uh, you know, on my times I have. And then when I go with my daughter, where it's just the two of us, uh, it's gonna be a few years till we can do that. But um, I know I'll be reaching out again, uh, Michael. I, I, I appreciate so much all that you're doing, uh, your wife and everything. And I gotta tell you that it has made uh, many memories for myself and I'm sure for everyone else that's taking advantage of the service uh, as well.
2: Yeah, we get lots of return customers. We get lots of emails saying that this was their highlight of their trip. And, oh, I just love all the email that we get from our customers. I I prefer to call them our guests because they are so much more than just customers. And I think that that's one of the reasons why most of our guests, most of the people writing us from Australia and Hawaii are referrals. They heard about us through friends of theirs who used our service. And providing good service is something that people really, really want, it seems. And providing a service where you can talk to a human is becoming more and more scarce. And I think that that's another big appeal that we have to people, is that they have a human to talk to. If something goes wrong. And even if something goes right, they have a human to talk to because people love sharing what they've done, what they've experienced. Could not agree more. And
0: thank you again, uh, Michael. One more time, uh, where could listeners of Lost Without Japan uh, reach out to and find you?
2: You can order tickets for your next trip at japanballtickets.com. That's all one word. Uh, Or you can write me at Michael at japanball.com the 2024 season is already up on the site to assist your planning Uh, I do expect to announce the um, game starting times around January that's usually when they're released as well as the preseason so right now there's nothing in March except at the very end when the season begins it's just the regular season that's up there now. If you're going to be coming in October, uh, I promised Margarita that I was not going to be doing post-season again. That's just my blood pressure gets too high, uh, and I disappoint more people than I help. So October is uh, very unlikely. So if you're making plans... To go to a baseball game, please make it during the regular season. Uh, and preseason, I tell people every year: preseason games do not sell out. They are just as exciting as regular season games. Still, even though the volume may turn be turned down from twelve to ten, okay. <laughs> preseason games are also a great deal of fun. And you don't have to use our service for, the, for them, which is actually better because it rains a lot in March. So if, if it's sunny and there's a game, I encourage you to go without using our service. If you're curious about what's available and you can't really get the idea from just looking at the site and the, and the schedule, yeah, please go ahead. Drop me a line at michael at japanball.com thank you again michael
0: please give a follow a like and a comment on your favorite streaming service and for updates to the show feel free to give a follow on instagram at lost without japan if you have enjoyed today's show feel free to also look at our patreon links below and we're going to be using all of that i am Uh, getting for that time for next summer to record even more sounds from Japan. One of the fun things I did, Michael, was record that fan chant section that my son was in and kind of shared that with others that's there. So even if you can't be there, you can at least, you know, seem like you're there with some headphones. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, (laughs) Michael, so much for joining us today. Thank you for the time. On behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this interview. We look forward to seeing you on board again for our next regularly scheduled episode as we continue our discussion on Japan, travel, culture, and our lost without moments. To everyone out there, oh ginky day, stay well, my friend.